Welcome to the Simpler Business Podcast, where we talk about ways to do what you love and serve your people in a way that brings you income and freedom. I'm your host, Marissa Roberts. Join me as I chat with my favorite entrepreneurs about how they simplify their biz so that you can simplify yours. As a business owner, you know that running a successful business takes a lot of time, effort, and resources. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll know that I am a big fan of finding ways to make running your business smoother and easier. One option to streamline your business and free yourself up to focus on your zone of genius is to consider outsourcing the simple and repetitive tasks in your biz. The tasks that don't necessarily need your face or your voice or your personality in order to get things done. You can outsource general tasks to a contractor or a virtual assistant, or you could work with an expert in a particular area that you'd like to outsource. There are plenty of great options available out there. But how do you know when it's really the right time to start outsourcing? When I talk with our listeners about outsourcing, they tend to raise the same questions. What should I outsource? How do I know if I can afford it? Who do I outsource to and how can I manage it when it just kind of feels like it's quicker and easier to do it myself instead of training and checking the quality of someone else's work? But what will happen to you and your business if you don't outsource? It's impossible to be everywhere and do everything at once and trying to wear all of the hats and do all of the things forever is only going to lead to burnout and inconsistency. My guest today is going to walk us through the simpler side of outsourcing so it doesn't have to feel like a huge undertaking and a ton of extra work to set it up. Iman Zabi started her first company, The Scribesmith, at 22, and since then, The Scribesmith has gone on to work with clients like Stanford University, Netflix, and Meetup. Now, they specialize in launch and funnel strategy for online educators, helping them leverage their expertise to build scalable online businesses. Iman is also the founder of Terrain, an online learning platform that prioritizes learner experience to increase course completion and knowledge retention. Her passion for technology and entrepreneurship led her to teach MVP development and Stanford University's Peace Innovation Lab to over 100 students from Stanford, Yale, and Drexel. Iman's experience as both a startup owner and marketer gives her a unique multidisciplinary approach to business development, marketing, and strategy, which allows her to see opportunities and threats that others might overlook. And she currently lives in Dublin, Ireland. When she's not working, she takes impromptu trips to explore the Irish countryside. Your life just sounds so much fun, Iman. Welcome to the show. <laughs> excited you're here. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. That's really cool. I think that a lot of people think that business has to be a big, serious thing. They're the only one that loves and knows their business like nobody else. That letting go of control and actually allowing a bit of space for fun and for things that are interesting and to to kind of go outside that box that we all kind of put ourselves in for the first one to three years of our business. I think it's really important that we let go a little bit, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's kind of what makes entrepreneurship and business so fulfilling because if you, if I wanted that structure and that, like, you've got to do the same thing every day, I would have gone and gotten nine to five. And I, I honestly wouldn't have survived in that, um, being perfectly honest. Um, but no, I love that my business gives me the flexibility to just play and have fun and maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. And that's the great thing about it. Yeah. And it's no big deal. If we make a wrong decision, we can make another one. If something doesn't work out, we can tweak a little, you don't know if it's going to work until you try it. Right. Absolutely. And failure is a good thing. I think failure is data and, you know, 
everything is a learning experience and that's kind of how it works. I love how you just said failure is data because that just, that was like a little light. We could end the episode here. That was a little <laughs> light bulb for me because <laughs> I'm like, oh, failure doesn't have to be personal. It doesn't have to have an emotional attachment to it. It's just data. That's such a good yeah. way to look at it. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely helps because I think in business, um, you're trying so many different things all the time. And if you're not keeping track of what's working and what isn't and, and the whys behind it without getting like caught up on the, oh, I'm a failure or I'm an imposter, I'm not good enough, then you're not really taking the, like you're not squeezing everything you can out of those experiences to learn and move forward. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's funny because all of us face imposter syndrome at some point and it never goes away completely. You always get a new level of it with each progression that you make. It's always there somewhere. So if anyone's listening out now going, imposter syndrome, I hear you. You're not alone. We all face it. It happens to everybody. And actually, I think that's why outsourcing works so well because you can start to outsource the things that internally you're like, "Mm, I'm not very good at this. You can start letting go of the need to do it yourself. But I don't know. I think a lot of us that first step into outsourcing in our business, right, is the hardest one, the very first time you do it because you don't know, you know, how do I find the right person? Am I going to, how do I train them? How do I make sure they give me exactly what they want? What should I be paying them? What's too much? What's too little? I don't know. Do you feel like we get to a part in our business where we know it's going to be the right time to outsource or are there signs that we should look for as an indication that we should start outsourcing in our business? So when I was getting started, the advice I was always given was, oh, outsource before you're ready. And that sounds great, but I also don't know what that means. <laughs> um, so I was just like, before I'm ready, I wasn't ready on day one. Should I be outsourcing right away? Like, before it just, the business it just felt like a really grandiose statement to make, but I didn't feel like it was that very practical. Um, now that I'm sort of seven years into this, what I would say to people is like, look at your profit margins and where you're at in your business. And if you're in a point where you have a sizable cushion, coming in like if you've got and I would say like if you've got after you pay yourself you still have about 30 percent left mm-hmm. I think that's a good time to start looking at putting things back into your business and looking at things that you can kind of take off of your plate because the the the, the truth in that statement outsource before you're ready really comes from the idea that outsource before you're burnt out and I think that's a better way to kind of look at it because a lot of us get to the point where we're doing all the things for all the people while trying to like have a life outside of it. Um, and, you know, squeeze in things like food, water, exercise, sleep. Um, and when you get to that point, it's just, it's very overwhelming. And the process of hiring and finding the right fit is it is a longer process than, you know, people would assume. So I think start early and, it's just so important, especially when you're early on. I mean, this is a different conversation altogether, but like to keep track of like the numbers in your business and know when you can actually afford to hire. So once you kind of have that a little bit of a cushion, I think that's when you start looking at things that you can kind of take off your plate. So typically what I would recommend for folks is things that are um, hard to screw up, really just like hard to like, you know, really simple things that you could, that could be systemized and handed off to somebody um, really simple things like, for example, inbox management or, um, you know, one thing for us was always moving tasks from a client's um, Asana into ours. These are hard things to kind of drop the ball on, but just, you know, someone who could do that kind of admin work, that's really, that's really, really helpful. It saves you time and brain power because, you know, 
there's only so many decisions you can make in a day without being absolutely just tired. The decision fatigue also comes into it. So just taking those little things off of your plate. And the other approach is to hire somebody to, um, you know, if you're a service provider, like if you are, for example, I started off as a copywriter, someone to split the work with. Oh, Once you develop your process and things like that. You can, that's the other approach. And that's actually what I ended up doing. Um, my very first hire who's still with me today and is like the greatest person I've ever hired in my life. Like truly I used up all of my hiring karma with the very first hire. Um, it was incredible. And she is a copywriter as well, but she also had a background as a VA and OBM. So she was able to do both sides for me. Yeah. She knows the stuff already. That's really handy. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know her before or did you put the call out and she applied? Because I think that's where a lot of our listeners get stuck. They're like, who do I hire? Who do I look for? How do I know they're a good fit if I've never outsourced this job before? I would, um, I put a call out. So I had never met her. I'd never even heard of her before. Um, I put a call out in a, in a Facebook group and I asked, you know, for applications. Um, if I was doing it over now, because it's a lot it, groups are a lot more saturated now. I wouldn't actually just post in a Facebook group when we're hiring. Now, what we do is we go to LinkedIn Ooh. and we put, we put, we put actual job posts out. We put 50 or $60 behind it. We have an actual application process. People fill forms out. We add a little bit of friction to the process on purpose. So we weed out people who aren't serious. Oh. We do interviews. We look at writing samples. We do the whole thing. Like, a legitimate company because that's kind of what we are and you gotta and I think for people when they're outsourcing it's very easy the imposter syndrome kind of comes in it's just it's just a little old me I don't want to have a formal process I don't want to get too big for my boots but no you are a company if you are hiring somebody you're in a position to pay them um, you need to take yourself seriously as well so putting those processes in place is so important that's such a good point because I know a lot of people when they start off as solopreneurs when they think about outsourcing work they, they're in this mindset of I need to find someone to help me. Like it's almost like this rescue mindset, like they need someone to come in and save them by freeing them up. No, no, you're getting somebody to come and work for you in your company. You can still have a great relationship, but they're going to turn to you for answers to things. They're going to look to you to be professional. You're going to be providing them with money that they spend on living their lives, like a paycheck, whether it's contracting work or regular work. Either way, they're looking to you as a leader, whether you kind of want that or not. <laughs> No, absolutely. And I, and I think it's so important that you have that clarity before you're kind of going out there and like, you may be hiring somebody who's an expert, but at the end of the day, you know, your business better than anybody else. Mm. And it's, and I think especially when you know, a first hire is often a VA or an OBM. And if you are, I mean, the, I, I hear, I see this a lot in the online business space where people are self-identified hot messes and want a VA or OBM to come in and fix it all for them. But that's all you're not. And then when it doesn't work out, they're like, Oh, they're a terrible VA or OBM, but you're not really doing the work to set them up for success either. Yeah. Yeah. You want like a fairy godmother basically that you pay less than minimum wage for. Yes. <laughs> and then you wonder yeah. why they're not committed to your business as much as you are as the business owner because there's a different dynamic there, right? When you own the business, especially if you've had to bootstrap it for the first couple of years, you're like, no, that's fine. I can make yeah. whatever work. But you've got, if you've got somebody coming in working with you, they're going to give you the best of their ability, but they need to be compensated well for it and supported well for it at the same time. So that's a whole nother, you've got to go from solopreneur to CEO mindset really, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just... There is that growth that you need to do like on a mindset level, but also like in, the, in terms of systems and processes, like when you're doing everything yourself, everything's up here, you know, like 
you know what every client needs, you know where all of the things are stored in your Google Drive folder, but when you're bringing somebody else in, you kind of got to clean house first. <laughs> you need to put things in your folders. You need to have some semblance of a system or organization, or at least take the time out to walk them through it and train them mm-hmm. before you just kind of throw them into the deep end. And I think that's one of the most important things that you've got to do. It's understand that it takes time, which is why you want to do it before you're stressed and overwhelmed and burnt out and dedicate the time to setting up your team members for success. Yeah, those systems and processes are a real big one. And it's definitely an afterthought for a lot of us because you're right, everything's up here. We know where everything is. We know how to find it. We remember how we did it last time. It's kind of built in. But yeah, I think one of the easiest things to do, right, is to create, if if you're setting up your folders and you're setting up your files and you're setting up your processes, it's really just taking a moment to go, if I was outsourcing, you know, if you haven't hired anyone yet, if I was outsourcing, how would I set this up so they could access it easily? That's kind of the thing you've got to do right at the start in that case then, isn't it? Because if you set it all up on your personal systems and everything's like saved to your own laptop, yep. then you've got to, you're doubling your work when you bring someone in later. So start using yep. your cloud-based drive. Start using folders that make sense where you can find where you've stored things later when you're looking for them. Little things, but they yeah. make a difference. Yeah, and I have I used to have this terrible habit of just opening up a new Google Doc every time I wanted to do something and not labeling it or like not even that. Yeah, (laughs) just it 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 drives people on my team nuts. But there, you know, there's also the tech part of it where you can set things up. Now, what we have is that um, we have Zaps that organize our files for us. which is really handy because it reads the title of the file and we'll put it in the right folder. So that is really handy. So there's 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 ways to work around it. And even if you kind of, you know, didn't do the groundwork when you were starting up because, you know, I know it's crazy and you're kind of getting to the point where you know you want to hire, like honestly carve out three, four days and just dig in and clean up to the point where you can at least walk someone through it and tell them where to find things. Um and then, you know, maybe you make that their first task. It's going through everything in your drive folder and organizing things. So it's just kind of figuring it out. Um, the other thing that we do that I think is really helpful for folks is um, we have like company orientation. Um, their first week is orientation, proper um, American university style orientation where we have like our offices in the metaverse. They get their desk, they decorate their desk, Um then they go to these Asana trainings and Slack trainings, and they have trainings with different members of our team throughout the first week. And what that does is it, A, gets them used to using all of our systems and tools mm-hmm. and um, also lets them experience where everything is and gives them like, the you know, tells them who to go to for questions. Because as you're kind of getting past your first hire, you don't want to be the person that they come running to every time they have a question because you really want to step into that CEO role. Yes, that's such a good point. I think we all miss that. That that giving them dedicated time at the start to get familiar with your channels and with your systems. Anytime I've ever done work for someone else before, whether that be a big company or as a contractor, that's kind of like what it was missing when it was the contractor work. Big companies have all your internalized systems. You have a whole, you know, a couple of weeks of getting used to here's how we do things, here's why we do things this way. But whenever I've worked with, say, solopreneurs or small business owners, they mean well, they love what they do, but they just kind of assumed that I knew how to use Slack or that I knew how to use Dropbox or that I knew how to use, I don't know, anything really. And just because I can learn it and I can go and watch the video training and and check the FAQs and go in the knowledge center, I know how to upskill myself. But 
I was never given the time, like paid time or company time to actually upskill on that. There was just an expectation that I'd be doing that myself, which isn't, now that I think about it, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so in terms of what we outsource, start with the absolute basics, the the click and drag stuff, the organizing stuff, the stuff that there are templates for, right? That you don't you don't need your your brain behind it. So that way they don't have to come to you and ask questions. And I love that idea of when you start hiring, hire with the idea in mind that this person you hire might become the person that the next person goes to. That alone is like that's gonna free you up big time. What about how do you know if it's going well? So how do you measure success, return on investment? One thing that a lot of our listeners say is, I really want to outsource, but I'm worried that I won't be using my money wisely. How do I know later if I'm wasting my money in one area? Do you have any tips on how to measure if it's going really well? So, I mean, that's definitely going to vary from role to role. So if you're hiring, say, a copywriter, you're really looking at the quality of the output versus like how long it's taking and things like that. Um, But if you're hiring, say, someone in an admin type role, um, I think the onus is on you to set like really clear, like, this is your role. This is kind of what I want to do. These are the hours I would like to take off of my schedule. And that's for, for admin roles. That's kind of how I'm looking at it always. It's how like, what is my time worth? Um, in terms of like, what do I bill my clients when I'm actually working on something? How many hours am I spending on admin work? Mm. And then what am I paying this the admin person or the VA to do this? And how much am I saving on that? And that to me is the ROI. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. And you'll kind of intuitively know that at the start and then you just tweak and measure as you go, right? Because yeah. you, you've got to kind of see it to know. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. So much yeah. of business is actually jumping in and doing something. It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I think also once you start once you start to grow, just having things like I know time tracking gets a bad rap, but I think it's so important for you in your business because it lets you see where you're spending your time, but also where your team is spending their time and helps you optimize for efficiency. I've never gone to a team member and been like, you spent too much time on this. Um, and like, I don't like it's not about like what they're billing me, but it's good to see overall how efficient we are as a company. And where there are things that don't necessarily need to be done by a human, where there's tech that can do that, and I can then leverage their expertise somewhere else in the company. So it's always really just um, your, I think, role as a CEO becomes understanding how your team is functioning and supporting your team while they do their jobs. And I think that's a shift that people will have to make eventually. Yeah, I think having that distinction too between remembering that people are here to help you with tasks and help you with your business, but they are people as well. So clear training, support, KPIs, like it doesn't have to be like a massive company's official KPIs, but just knowing what they're aiming for. If people have a goal that they want to reach, that gives them the motivation and the direction to go in to actually achieve that goal. If you just say, oh, can you take care of my inbox for me? And they're like, okay, I'll just jump into this puddle here and try and figure out what I'm doing. Like, what exactly do you mean? What does me doing this well look like? Yeah, the clearer we are as the person doing the hiring, the easier it's going to be for them to meet the expectations, right? Yeah. And along those lines, also just having realistic expectations, because, um, you know, if someone's coming in and you have your way of doing things, it does take a little bit of time for them to wrap their heads around things. Some of the best people I've worked with, um, I think I can say this now, I've been fairly frustrated with in the first month, uh, but, you know, giving them that grace period to kind of just find their find their feet really um, mm-hmm. is important because 
different people learn in different ways. You may not be as clear as you think you are. They're just, yeah, you, you have to treat them like an actual person who is trying to do their best. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. And not just say to them, Hey, I'm bringing you on because I want someone who's going to run my business. Like it's theirs. Even that it's not, it's not clear at all. It's like, no, we want actual tasks. We want to know where to find what we need to complete the task. And we want to check in with you to see how we're going. I think if you've got those three areas covered, you're pretty much going to be okay. And you're going to, it's going to, um, give back in the long run because you're going to have people that want to stay with you then so you don't have to keep rehiring and retraining i think that alone's a pretty big indicator right if you've got people that you're outsourcing to that stay for a really long time that's really the unspoken indicator that it's going really really well right yeah absolutely and that first hire that i talked about she's still with the company today i mean you've interacted with her Haley was that person i think yeah, um, honestly, like unicorn right off the bat. It's incredible. And um, and it's helpful because when you have those people who stay with your company long term, they also kind of, one, they, they start to understand your business as well as you do. And they can then see things from other perspectives. But it also kind of, as your team grows, um, I mean, it's premature to be talking about this, but the company culture and the vibe that your team has is also so important because people need to come in and feel like they're welcome and they're supported. And this is a healthy atmosphere because there's so many times we've gone in and worked with other teams where it's just, you know, there's constant churn of employees. Um, yeah. There's antagonism. People don't necessarily like each other. There's cattiness and people can coming in can feel that vibe. And it's just really important that you are intentional about the people you choose not just for their skill set but also for how they fit into your overall you know your values what you're looking to achieve and just generally good people not necessarily the best option yeah so it's not just what they do and how they do it it's who they are as well and you do get that vibe I think when you first time you talk to somebody you do get an intuitive hit on what they're like personality wise or or you know what their work ethic is like and yeah and you can see all that from past work and references as well so we shouldn't discount you know, just because you might be a solopreneur doing your first couple of hires doesn't mean you don't, you know, go through and do it in a professional way and actually put a little bit of time into it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think the number one thing that I have learned in terms of the hiring process is figuring out if somebody has the motivation to figure um, out figure things out for themselves like are they are they going to be proactive and I found that that is the number one indicator for me that this person is going to fit well with our team and be a good fit because like when you're in a startup environment or you're you know a small business owner or an agency or anything like that um, everybody does a little bit of everything you need to be willing to kind of roll up your sleeves and really dive into it and that proactiveness is probably the most important thing that I've found that if we're able to kind of that they have critical thinking skills that they will Google before asking someone um, and try yes. and figure it out. Themselves, that, those to me have been the number one indicators. Yeah. And that sort of thing, you've either got it or you haven't. You've got that initiative or you don't. And it's fine if you're somebody who just wants to be told exactly what to do and just do that. But whether or not that's going to fit the role you're looking to hire it's a completely different thing. You need the right people with the right skills in the right spots to get the best results from them. Absolutely. What do you guys do about quality control? So if you're kind of like at a point where you've got a few people working with you, do you assign quality control to one of your contractors or your staff or is it does it rest with you at the end and you check things? How do you do that? 
So we've got a multi-layered system. So essentially we've got the junior writers on our team, the senior writers, and then it's me. So usually what happens with the junior writers, they will hand over to the senior writers. They go back and forth on edits, etc. When the senior writer feels like this is ready to go, ready for sign off, I wouldn't change a thing. Then it comes to me. I sometimes have a few edits that, and then it goes kind of back down the chain. Um, but more often than not, it's ready to go. And I just sign off on it and it goes over to uh, our project coordinator who handles delivery um, of whatever uh, the project was, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So you've got a number of different layers in there that's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. and I imagine your senior editors would have been doing it for a while, so they'd know what you're looking for as well and can really kind of tell what the, yeah, what the quality should be. That's really clever. This kind of makes, I really like this chat because it's made the idea of outsourcing, which can feel like a really big umbrella. You've got this really good way of kind of making it walk down a pathway. So it's actually something that's doable step by step (laughs) instead of, oh, I just have to jump in and hope for the best and hope I don't hire somebody that's going to bring everything crashing to the ground. Because people have a tendency to be dramatic like that. Like, it's my business. It's my baby. Letting go is a really big thing, but it doesn't have to be, right? The more you can like it all. Yeah. That's amazing. also just, it's not hard to fire. Like, honestly, hire slow, fire fast. Like, if you get, if you think somebody's not a good fit and you're sure it's not just, you know, teething trouble, then let them go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And for me, because I'm a bit of a non-confrontational person, like I'm very uncomfortable with any confrontation at all. And I'll be working with people who aren't confronting at all, but I'll be imagining what if we get in a situation where it could turn that way. I'm just going to avoid the possibility altogether. (laughs) That's my stuff I've got to work on. That's internal. Nothing else is going to change that. And the more I practice that, the more likely I'm going to be to be able to handle stuff like that. But even like hiring and firing, there's systems and processes behind that. So it doesn't have to be an emotionally charged activity that you're doing. And do you ever get to a point now where you let other people do the hiring in your business or is it always like, no, buck stops with me because I'm the face of the brand or how does that work? No, my, um, well, it depends on the type of position we're hiring for, but if we're hiring writers, uh, the senior writers make the final call. Um, they may come to me for like input on certain candidates and we may have a discussion about it, but ultimately um, if it's somebody reporting to them, then they they make the final call. Ah, oh, that's the ultimate goal for me is to have the outsourcing outsourced. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different for me because like um, most of the people on my team are salaried employees at this point. So like it is, they do take a lot of like ownership of their roles. Yeah. Um, but if it was a contractor, I mean, Haley is still a contractor. Um, uh, and yeah, she would have complete liberty to just hire whoever she wants if she felt it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah, and that trust factor comes with time and comes with experience and working together, yeah. Wow. Okay, thank you so much for all of that. That has been really, really helpful, and I know our listeners who are like, okay, I haven't taken the step before to outsource, you know, maybe maybe this is their time. Maybe they're going to be comfy now to give it a go, not worry about, you know, getting it perfect at the start. Just give it a go and make sure you've got your systems clearly defined and the way you do things ready to go so that when you bring someone on, you can just point them in the right direction and then check in with them, not go, okay, now that you're here, what do we do? Because <laughs> that's a big thing that can happen sometimes. It's been super helpful having you, Iman. Thank you so much. If anybody wants to learn more from you, where's the best place they can find you? Is website the best, socials, LinkedIn? What do, what do you recommend if they want to see more? So we're most active on Instagram. So our handle is scribesmith.inc. Um, probably the best place to connect with not just me, but our whole team. We're all on there. Um, but if you want to connect with me personally, I use Twitter. So it's iman.zabi. 
Oh, lovely. I'll put links in the show notes so it's really easy for people to find you all then in that case. And I know you guys have a launch planner app as well. That's really helpful. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are planning your very first launch for some sort of a digital product and you're you know, overwhelmed by all of the different moving parts and you don't know how to plan your calendar for it or anything, what it will do is get you to input the size of your list, you know, tentative dates, a couple of questions about your business, and it'll spit out um, a loose outline for you to follow and all the different bits and pieces you're going to need. So the different types of emails, the sales pages, whether you have a quiz or a challenge, it'll break all of that down for you. I love that. I love that because a launch is so much puzzle pieces having to be put together. It's like somebody's done the whole puzzle for me in that case. I'm definitely going to give that a go. So I'll put a link to the show notes in a link to that in the show notes as well so people can use it. That's a really clever idea. And I didn't even think I needed that until you said it just then. (laughs) And now I know I do. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I hope everybody listening, you have enjoyed our conversation on outsourcing as much as as I have enjoyed speaking with Iman about it. Let us know if you decide to outsource. Come and let me know on Instagram. Come and let Iman know on Twitter. If you decide to outsource, what do you choose first? How do you do it? Are there any hurdles? Let us know your experience. We always like input here. And go ahead and leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts because we want to make sure that we're covering topics that you are getting value from. And I will see you all in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Simpler Business Podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to make it nice and easy for you, just the way we like it. If you're ready to simplify and scale your business, you can get started with my free audio class at marissaroberts.com. See you next time.